Welcome to the Upper Left Performance Podcast. I am your host, Jack Anderson, and today on the show, I'm joined by my good friend, Andrew Stallings. Andrew is the founder of the Othello Group, an athlete marketing agency built around servicing an athlete's needs in terms of building their brand. Andrew's been doing this for a while now and has experience working for Mosaic and Octagon, helping to build brands and working as an accounting executive for both those companies before starting out on his own. I love talking to people who have started their own business, especially one such as Andrew, which is really Andrew's, which is really thriving right now, even amidst these trying times. Andrew does a great job talking about the things he's learned in his career that got him to the point to start his own business. We also talk about cutting our teeth together in the sports industry as producers at Sirius XM Radio. Both of us work there, Andrew and NASCAR, myself in college sports. And honestly, it was kind of like the Wild West back then to, to be working in, in satellite radio. This was right after this serious merger with XM. Um, and we just really kind of learned on the fly how to book guests, build connections with people, and uh, make some radio magic together. And I think, honestly, it helped us both out tremendously um, in our future career endeavors as well. So it was a lot of fun to kind of rehash some of those old memories together to talk about things we've learned since we worked together um, back in DC. Honestly, it was great to hear about the sports marketing and branding side of the business, which I really don't know anything about and uh, was something that interests me. Obviously, this podcast is usually about performance and coaching, um, but in this case, I really wanted to expand our reach into other areas of sport that we as coaches might not know as much about. Uh, I think it's incredibly important, even for us as coaches, to understand a little bit about how marketing and branding works. So Andrew provides some great insight in here for us on that. I'd also like to mention that Andrew is also a coach. He coaches high school ice hockey in the Connecticut area in his very limited spare time. Not sure how he does it still, uh, but props to him for that. And then we also talk about the stranger experiment. You can follow Andrew on Twitter at astallings88, where you can learn more about the stranger experiment. Andrew put this together a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he got a bunch of people to sign up for a little endeavor where every week we all get that we all get an email uh, with ourselves and then our random stranger uh, matched up with us, and we're supposed to talk to that stranger. Uh, Obviously, this person is in the sports industry. Talk to that stranger for 30, 30 to 45 minutes at some point during the week. Just get to know about them, connect with them, and learn a little bit about their side of the industry. Um, so far in the last couple of weeks, I've really enjoyed my discussions with the people that Andrew's provided. I think it's incredibly awesome that he's put together something like this to connect uh, like-minded people who are just really excited to get out there and, and, and talk to other people who are passionate about their respective crafts. And uh, big props to Andrew for doing that uh, for all of us. If you'd like to follow Andrew, like I said, follow him on Twitter at astallings88. You can also find him uh, on LinkedIn if you'd like to connect with him there and learn more about his group, the Othello Group, which is doing a tremendous job for the athletes he is servicing. Um, I really hope that you get something out of this. Uh, Andrew's joy and enthusiasm for life is something that I you know, try to do uh, in my own as well. And so this was a really fun conversation. Hope you all enjoy it. And as always, please subscribe to the pod on iTunes or your listening medium of choice. Here's Andrew. Andrew, thanks a lot, man, for joining the show. Um, I don't think we've talked like talk talk since around when the Caps won the Stanley Cup in 2018, I think. I know. I know. It's, it's funny because it was myself, you, and another former Sirius XM yeah. intern. Um, just kind of in this holistic hype up group chat leading up to, you know, the inevitable, probably the highlight of our 
personal professional lives was <laughs> seeing the Capitals raise the Stanley Cup in Vegas. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's been it's been great to kind of follow along, you know, the last few months and see you, you know, more active on social media and, and kind of follow along those conversations. I hope you uh, you enjoyed that iced coffee the other morning, bro. I uh, it was delicious. The ice mocha was much needed. That's same for you, man. Like. You know, we both I th- feel like kind of we're just finding our way when we're at XM. And, uh, you know, especially you, you definitely like made the most of that opportunity, I think, and, and really turned it into something for yourself. But uh, just to see kind of like just us growing up, getting out of our 20s and, and starting to be more mature, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely yeah. something. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great, man. I mean, and if, it's so funny to think about it because I, I have a few podcast interviews here and there that I do. Um, you know, I, I think so many people look at whether it's my current job or, you know, they look at my resume and they're like, holy crap, like, you know, you've worked at SiriusXM, you've worked at Octagon, you've worked, you know, with Anheuser-Busch and Constellation. And it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's all good and fun and it's great. And don't get me wrong. I used to be that same person that I thought your resume defines, you know, who you are as a person and your stories and your lessons. And, you know, honestly, I've, I've really learned over the last few months that some of the best wisdom and value comes from the, the weirdest places, like the strangers and like the encounters that you have with that. So um, I know we'll talk about it, but that's, that's kind of why I created this, you know, social media connection networking space called the stranger experiment, because, you know, I would find that some of the best inspiration would come from an exchange with my mailman, you know, someone who knows absolutely nothing about the world that I work in and sports marketing and brand representation, you know, they would just say like, man, you know, I was watching this basketball game the other night and I saw this and that and I was just like, holy crap, like this guy's 62 years old. And this is what this consumer in the middle of Connecticut cares about. Mm-hmm. And, and it really just started getting the wheels going. So, you know, just going back to it though, like, you know, starting from Sirius XM and building the ways up. I mean, look, I, I would argue that we both capitalize an incredible amount. We had great mentors, you know, from John Easterbrook to Jill Holtam, you know, we had a yeah. lot of different people in our corner. Um, I think specifically for you and I, Um, and you know, it's, it's very difficult when you're in an industry like that to not develop an ego and and to not develop, because I think in a lot of ways, ego is the enemy, but Mm -hmm. ego is kind of the fuel, you know, in certain industries that you need in order to, to capitalize on the next big opportunity, the next big thing. Um, and I think for me, I said this a few times over the last few months because I finally kind of came to terms with it, but I look back on my times at Sirius XM and my ego is what destroyed me. And, you know, I, I was, you know, producing one of the top NASCAR morning shows. I had then switched over to the afternoon show. I was able to kind of come and go and do as I please. But, you know, I was in my early 20s. I was a victim of the DC nightlife, you know, going out, partying, bartending. And, you know, I, I could come in and I felt like I would be able to just run circles. Like to me, being a producer in that industry was just about booking the biggest name guest and to you know, kind of come up every now and then with a cool creative segment, but you know, it kind of pivots now to modern day brand marketing. It's not so much about the big names anymore. We're seeing that some of the best and most followed individuals are the no names, the, like the, the six, you know, player off the bench or, or stuff like that. So I always just find it, you know, on my own shortcomings of where I started in the industry, I always look back into where I am now. And I remind myself that, you know, 
that's why I'm not working with NBA and NHL, MLB and NFL players is because I think in a lot of ways, there's very little creativity and opportunity to, to pivot and do certain things. But, you know, rather looking at the WSL surfers or the NASCAR drivers or the esports or tennis, golf and volleyball, I, I think there's so much opportunity for those people to kind of try different things, you know, really kind of shake things up and shake the snow globe up. So yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's honestly the way that I've kind of just looked at everything from the evolution from where we were with Sirius XM to today. And I'm, I'm sure you've done the exact same thing. I mean, you've, if, if anyone says my, you know, experience is incredible. I mean, dude, every single time I talk to you, which is probably once a year nowadays, <laughs> you're, you're somewhere else in the country or in the world, like training with a new team or doing this. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think it's just all about taking risks. And it's funny, like I look at like people we worked with and there's nothing wrong with anything like a, what a lot of them chose to do, but you just look and a lot of them are still in the same industry doing the same thing. And that, that wasn't what we wanted. I don't think, you know, I think that was just kind of a launch point for other, other ventures that we wanted to do other risks and chances we wanted to take. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think for me, if you asked 24 year old Andrew Stallings what he wanted to do, he wanted to be an executive producer on a serious, right? <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. we want, we wanted to be those individuals. We did like, there's, there's no done denying it. The problem is, and this is, this is a credit to those ahead of us. They get in those roles and they don't leave because they're, they're tough roles to come by yeah. and you know, they're, they're good opportunities. So, you know, w- with all that being said, it, it kind of, I wouldn't say, at least for me, I wouldn't say that it was so something so much that I knew I wanted more of. It's that we had no choice. Like many other kids, you know, I say kids, but young adults in their early twenties are coming out of college right now. They're forced to look elsewhere. They're forced to look at, you know, what like different departments and industries. Like I remember there was one point where I was literally just typing in communications, marketing, media, like the most broad words into an Indeed search engine. And I would apply for anything. And I was just like, oh my God, do it, do it. Department of Defense, do it, you know, know, Airbnb hosts, do it. But like, I mean, you you were just like, all right, you know, if it has that word in it, I could do it. So it's, it's good to cast a wide net and to kind of see and learn. I, I think that uncertainty is, is very, very helpful for individuals to better understand you know, the industry and the different opportunities and facets of it as a whole. I mean, it's incredible because a lot of people, like you said, they, they stay in that one place. I would argue, and I might piss some people off, you know, who we worked with in the past by saying it, but I know conversations that I've had with individuals who are still there. They're like, I'm a radio producer. What the hell can I do beyond? Like, how, how do I go from being a radio producer to marketing? You know, how do I go from a radio producer to being a PR person? Like, but a lot of people don't understand is that your skill set, it, you know, it is very much the same, you know, like being a radio producer very much can equate to being a communications manager or a PR specialist or someone in, you know, marketing and agency side. I think this is where us as a society today that we're always trying to understand how we sell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something that you know, really led me to where I'm at today with the fellow group was I was told my whole life I should be in sales. I never really wanted to do it. I thought it was too much of a risk. But when I kind of took a look in the mirror and I understood that, holy crap, 
I'm forced to sell myself every single day as is. I'm forced to having to do these things already as is. It's like, why not? Why not try yeah. it? Like I'm already selling. Yeah. And You're think, already doing it. Yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So and I think these, a lot of these people, they, they get scared. And I, I don't even know if scared's the right word. Maybe comfortable is better. All of it, you know, they have negative connotations to it. And I don't want to put it as such, but, you know, it's tough. It's very, very tough to leave a comfortable position, especially in the conditions that we're in right now. For sure. And, you know, right, like right here, right now, why would anyone want to leave, you know, a steady paycheck and a leisurely job opportunity where they know everything to go try and do something else? But those that do and those that have that opportunity to do so are the ones that probably land in positions like you and I, where we're in our early 30s and we're just able to thrive because we're able and we're not afraid to take one step back to take two to three steps forward. And we recognize that. A lot of people don't have the, the wherewithal or the mental fortitude to be able to recognize that if you're 30 years old, if you're 55 years old, there's still a point in your life where you can take a step back in order to get forward. Yeah, 100%, man. I, I completely agree. I, it's weird too. Like, you know, I think we talked about off the air a little bit and I feel the same way about myself. Like I just see so much growth for you in the last couple of years, just in the way you're presenting yourself on social media, like just the few times we talk. And I felt the same thing for myself, especially in the last year. I don't know what it is. Maybe it is just hitting 30. <laughs> like you just, you just start to mature a little bit, but like, yeah, yeah man, it's, it's wild. Like I just feel a lot more clear about what it is I want to do. I feel a lot less uncomfortable about pursuing the avenues that'll get me to where I want to go. Even if, um, you know, public perception of my choices might not be uh, favorable, you know, be it family, be it like close friends, stuff like that. The, the path is just a lot clearer now. And I, I, it seems similar for you. So, yeah. And I mean, look, success is defined in so many different ways. Um, you know, when it, when like, you know, we can talk a little bit about how I, I got to Othello group and, it, you know, because we were just talking about having your hands being forced, you know, I, I've had this vision with two of my best friends for Othello group uh, who I was playing hockey with and ultimately we we built this out as like a creative agency and a marketing agency uh for athletes but what we ultimately realized was that this is more athlete driven and this is a hundred percent like like helping these athletes kind of pivot and understand and look at things a little bit differently so when i was kind of looking at all right what is the long-term picture of this how does that go you know, I was still working my full-time job at Mosaic, you know, mm -hmm. which is an experiential marketing agency. And I was, I was struggling, like making that commute an hour and 45 minutes one way every day, um, paying, you know, up to $400 a week, you know, for commuter costs and meals. Like, you know, yeah, I was making good money, but I, I would get home and I would be spent, spent. And I couldn't imagine if I had been married or if I had a kid or like, yeah. luckily I have, you know, a serious girlfriend who is now my beautiful wife that I was able to like kind of balance that off. But now, you know, it's, you, you kind of just have to look at that perception a whole, a whole different way. So, you know, just in terms of success though, like I had a six figure salary, you know, at, you know, Mosaic, I had a six figure salary with a corner office and a new car at Constellation Brands for the short time that I was there. I 
literally was anybody would look at me and be like, Oh my gosh, Stallings has made it (laughs) beer. He does this. He goes to these events. He's in the Maldives. Like that's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trade any of that for the world. It wouldn't, it would not have gotten me to where I am today without those experiences, but success to me, like now, as I sit here at 32 years old and running my own company and this and that, I've realized that, I mean, look, I run a profitable business. Am I making the massive salaries that I was making in the past yet? No, but it's because I'm looking at it from a business lens. You know, I'm, I'm taking profit, I'm reinvesting it, I'm pushing stuff all over. It's a different mindset and growth strategy. So when you look at success, you know, I had so many friends. I, I sat down with mentors and colleagues of mine at Octagon who were agents. And I said, hey, I, I have this vision, I have this model, like, I've seen it work. I've seen short-term success of how it works. Even if I'm only playing the volume game, I think I can make this profitable. I would say nine out of the 10 people I talked to in my circle were like, yeah, okay, cool stallings. Like whatever. Sure. Go ahead, bud. Like no problem. And look, like that's, that's, that's the toughest thing. And that's something that I'm trying to get over what I'm doing on Twitter today. Like every day is so many people, want to tell us no. So many people want to give us false hope or be the friends that they think they have to be, which we all see right through. Very few times and very few often do we have those genuine individuals that are just like, do it. What can I do to help you do it? Like, if you're going to fail, let me fail with you. Like, how do we go in the trenches together? And the reason is, is because, you know, we're kind of selfish, right? We're all, and we have to be, we all have to be a little selfish. Oh, I don't have time to, to help Jack think of this new vision. I don't have time to introduce Jack to this person. But the funny thing that is, is like Jack probably is going to bring more value to me if I can help him out and get him to a good plateau and place like up on this mountain where he can start climbing with the proper tools to the next echelon. And then I go and do it again. So by the time that all these people around me get to the top and I'm screaming up to the mountains like, hey, I need help. I got nine ropes coming off the mountain to help me climb up rather than being like, how the hell am I going to climb this mountain? (laughs) it, it It really is just about supporting people as much as you can. And I mean, if that means you know, dumping 50 bucks in Venmo and dropping people who I don't even know coffees, or if it is just being there from a DM perspective, like what can I help you with? Like, uh, you know, vent to me, talk to me, or, you know, writing a LinkedIn recommendation. It all helps. It all helps. It doesn't have to be like, I need an intro to your connection. Who's a brand manager at Nike. Look, you and everybody else wants my intro. (laughs) And I get that, but you just, we got to be able to support each other because that's ultimately that's where the success is, is able to be defined. And that's at least where I found my success is by building my network a little bit more authentically and not worrying so much about the likes and the retweets and this and that, because I'm sitting here trying to tell professional athletes, Hey, I can build your brand. I can do this. I can do that. The number one thing that I still struggle with every single day, if I can't build my own damn brand, how the hell can I expect to build somebody else's? And it's, it's, it's tough. I struggle with my own brand every single day. Yeah, I, I think you, you really hit on something too with the, just the networking piece. I was always um, just afraid of appearing disingenuous. And last year I realized like, look, I, I do, I'm pretty good at what I do. I know that I'm going to continue getting better at what I do just because of my curiosity and desire to keep learning. Uh, but I don't 
go out of my way to like introduce myself to people. Like even in a social media setting, um, like I just wasn't reaching out to people over DMs or anything like that and not even for anything, just to establish a conversation, just to, you know, show them that I care about what it is I'm doing and to maybe, you know, add some value for them potentially with an insight that I have, like either or, you know, and over the last year, I would say my network has probably increased not even in terms like I never, I don't really look at followers. I don't really care about any of that. I, I think you seem the same way. I care more about like the value of people that I'm talking to. And now it's to the point where, you know, I might be on Twitter. I'm like, Oh, this person looks, said something interesting, reach out to them. And we're on the phone and three days later. And uh, you know, sometimes we're even on a podcast a week later. Cause I really liked our conversation and boom, like that's just so much more meaningful than, than, you know, kind of the way I feel like a lot of people market themselves now. And obviously this is your wheelhouse, not mine, but, but, um, but that's, I just seen a ton of success in that, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is about not being afraid to reach out to people. Um, you know, there's, there's so many people I can speak from the marketing and brand Twitter world. Um, there's, there's about five, 10 people that, you know, they go out of their way to make a brand. And I give them credit for this. Like I said, I struggle with my own brand. Theirs is so defined that it just has no, like the, the knowledge that they're dropping every single day on people is, is invaluable. Like people want that. They're just like, oh man, like I need this, I need this, I need this. And, but there does come a point where there's so much ego on the face value of what they're saying. You look at it and you're just like, dude, like, like you don't need to make yourself a self-labeled expert, you know, in this field. But then again, I go back to the other side of it. If they don't have a little ego and if they're not confident in what they're delivering, would you or I believe anything that's coming from somebody, you know, like we, we have to kind of, we want those experts in this world to have that, you know, boost of confidence. So I always toy with it back and forth. You know, like I, I think there's an authenticity approach to everything that they do. Um, and even everything that we do, but I, I think that, you know, I used to be so anti the word expert, anti the word ego, like anti ego, but then I'm like, you need, you need a little bit of it. You know, you, you do need that because if you don't, then how's anybody supposed to buy from you? How, how's people supposed to buy in to what you're saying? Because, you know, otherwise you're Joe Schmo, you know, down in, you know, Arkansas, like just sitting in your mom's basement, like no one knows any better, but you know, it's not about living in New York. It's not about working for Nike. All those, I, I think those facets don't matter. I think some of the most valuable people right now are the ones that are probably laid off and the ones that are being very diplomatic with their options and their time. And they're knowing that an opportunity like this in the world is not going to happen probably again in their lifetime, hopefully. Right. You know, mm -hmm. so they're, they're basking in the events and the efforts to build their community, build their brand, knowing that they could probably go on LinkedIn and get a job interview pretty easily, you know, given their credentials, following and background. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, going back to what we were talking about, I think everything has to do with, with just that engagement, that authenticity factor, because without it, you know, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a monologue. It's not a dialogue. Yeah. And I think no one, no one wants to be talked to, they want to converse more than anything. They want to converse. And I mean, it's, it's tough. It, it, like I can tell you this stranger experiment thing, sending out 
the emails I do every single week, like it takes me probably six to seven hours. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Just sitting down, writing these emails, filling in names, copy and pasting, being, you know, somewhat personable on each uh, dude, it takes so much effort. I'm not making money off of it, but I'm hopefully like, all right, you know, I'm seeing that the, the list kind of dwindles. Like there's, you know, five to 10 people that like will drop off, but then I get 15 DMS. Oh, I saw this tweet from a friend of mine. Like, how do I get in on it? How do I get in? And it's just a rotation. And again, yeah. you start building the authentic crowd that wants to be in there and it's, you know, it's a game changer. Yeah. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. Now let's shift focus a little bit. We've we talked a bit about your background obviously and, and, and whatnot, but after series XM, I'm curious, um, what were some like the most valuable lessons you picked up along the way with octagon and constellation and mosaic? What, what were some of the most valuable things you picked up and how was that transition? Obviously you, you touched on a little bit saying that, you know, a lot of what you did at XM were easily translatable skills over, but what were some of the things you kind of like picked up along the way that just made your experience more valuable there? Yeah. Um, so I was at Sirius XM for almost five years from like after college. So I, from an internship all the way up to producer, um, you know, it was about four or five years jumping around to a number of different departments and working on a number of different channels. I, I had hit kind of my glass ceiling and I had a very blunt conversation with management just about where I was, where I was going to be. And, you know, I, I was pretty much told that I had, I had kind of manifested my own destiny there. You know, my ego, my shortcomings, my, my lack of, of seeing something hundred percent the way through, um, was kind of what prevented me. It held me back from a promotion, you know, several times. And I never wanted to believe it. I never wanted, you know, wanted, cause I, I personally knew what I was capable of. I knew like the talent and everything else that I had, but what I didn't know was that I wasn't executing it the way that it was in my mind. Like there was a disconnect from what I knew I could do to what I was seeing, you know, like what, like what others were seeing around me. I knew I was a likable guy, but I also knew that people thought that I was like this hee-haw, like crazy <laughs> all over the place, like party animal. So it was, it was kind of a, a tale of two extremes. So when I had reached out like Octagon, CAA, Wasserman, I had great connections with a few agencies from working in, um, on the NASCAR channel. And I knew like, okay, I want to go understand the, the business side of sports a little bit more. Octagon was the one that they really reached out several times and they tried to make it work. Um, to this day, I, you know, I, I tell everybody Octagon was, was my home, you know, and I, to this day, I drink the Kool-Aid harder than anybody, you know, in the industry, the, the individuals and people that I met at Octagon and the people that took chances on me, I just... I'll forever be in debt to if, if I was ever given the opportunity to come back and, and to give anything that I could to octagon, you know, uh, whether that's my time, whether that's work, anything, I, I just, I, I would do it in a heartbeat because they, they took a chance on somebody that was not, you know, a marketing major or a focused individual in events or any, or sponsorship they took somebody that they recognized the skill, the passion, the hunger that I had and the eagerness to transition from something to something else. 
and they harnessed that. And they brought me up to Connecticut where I knew nobody at all. They brought me into an industry and an office where I knew nobody at all. And they, they literally had to like, they had to put a leash on me because <laughs> every day I wanted to be the one that was in at like six or seven in the morning and, you know, go, 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 go run circles because that was the producer mentality. Right. But what I realized is like, I needed to not be the most efficient. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't need to be like the one, like getting stuff done quick, like the quickest. I needed to be the one that would find the best solution most efficiently. And some people might call that perfection, but that's why some of the best people in, you know, the brand marketing side work, you know, at agencies, you know, like they, they're the ones that they are able to find just the, the shortcuts, the, you know, the, they understand the back ends of like, you know, different platforms and social and licensing, all that stuff. So for me, you know, Octagon taught me, you know, they taught me patience. It, it taught me hard work. You know, my first year there, I was on the road uh, working with metrics and pure protein um, on their 5k, 10k sponsorship series, as well as their Tough Mudder sponsorship. And I was almost, I, I think we left Wednesday in the morning, we would be on the road and be setting up an event. And we would come back either Sunday night or Monday morning and be expected to be in the office on Tuesday and then back on the road on Wednesday. Cool. And we did that for at least a year and a half. And I mean, my sky miles and my Delta status were incredible, <laughs> but it, it was, it was a lot of work. It, yeah, it was, it was a lot of work. So, you know, Octagon taught me like, you know, kind of the, the ability as a team to like roll up your sleeves, everyone's all in you, the titles don't really matter. You know, you have to, it was kind of a humbling experience in the beginning, um, switching over to sports illustrated account. That was probably the hardest job I ever had in my life because I was forced into this creative account manager role where like they wanted somebody that was like a creative director while also somebody that was an account director from a uh, brand side. And they wanted them to kind of coexist as one as this one role. So I would be helping their editorial team put together sales decks and sell against experiential upgrades to different editorial packages while then also trying to manage and project manage the day to day with swimsuit and sports person of the year, sports kid of the year, and move things along for like Super Bowl. And it was so, so, so difficult because no matter what you did, you would fail. Like <laughs> I, to this day, I had a very difficult team. I had, I had two individuals I worked with and, you know, I, I respect the living hell out of them to this day, but I learned a lot. And I, and I, if they were on this meeting, they would say the exact same thing. Like you learn a lot from the struggle from, you know, the stubbornness, like the ego, the mindset. And I would say arguably all three of us were just like constantly in this rotisserie of, you know, this isn't working. This isn't working. No, no. Like very, very rarely did we hear yes. We no was, always, it was almost like that's how we greet each other. No. And it was like, <laughs> what? So it was, it was difficult. Um, but I, I know I'm, I'm being a little long winded here, but I just, you learn so much from the trials and tribulations of failure. So I think Octagon, you know, taught me, you know, several times that failure is the best remedy of, of success and learning. Um, I can't watch a LinkedIn tutorial or a YouTube video and learn how to do, you know, premiere or after effects 
I need to just be hands-on and mess with it and fail and, you know, then go back and, and learn and kind of pick things apart that way. So that, that's what I learned there. Um, you know, constellation mosaic, I mean, communication, Com communication, I think collectively between all three of those, you know, jobs that I had was, it was the biggest thing that helped me and hurt me in, in a lot of ways. Um, I tend to, and I, even with my current role, um, I over communicate a lot. No shit. Here I am. Talking <laughs> um, you know, I, I do over communicate a lot, but I think that fundamentally it is more, it is better to give more information than less. Um, 100%, be, yeah. because I think if I over communicate to the right party, someone is at least able to say, okay, this is the entire lens. Like this is everything. Now, how do we like move all this around and how do we fix it? If you're cryptic and if you say, oh, like there's only this or there's only that, you know, uh, like you can't help your team help you get to the finish line because you're too afraid to admit where you failed or where you may not know everything. And there were times where I had some hard bosses, very, very, very difficult bosses. And, you know, I, there would be times where I over communicated where it would help. And then there would be times where it was used against me. It was like, well, you said, boom, boom. And I was like, come on, really? But that, that's how the industry worked. It was like, no, 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 you said this. And it's like, okay, maybe over-communicating is not everything. But if I under-communicated, I wasn't able to help that individual or that team or that lead help me get to the best point of success. So communication was a big thing that I learned. I still think to this day when I talk to the athletes I represent, they also work with several, like I have a few athletes that have several managers and se several agents in different departments of what they're working on. Um, one of them, you know, tells me, she's like, yeah, I have, I have my one agent that helps me in this area and I don't hear anything from him, you know, unless we have something, unless we have a contract. So oftentimes it's radio silence. And I'm like, how is that stimulating? You know, like, how, like you can't, you can't win that way. So I tell my athletes, I'm like, if you ever want to know, I will read you a list of every brand conversation I'm having right now, every media conversation, every project, you're going to literally get bored within 15 seconds because, or you're going to start picking it apart, which is the, like, that's the bad thing. It's like, if I tell you, Hey, we're talking to McDonald's, we're talking to this company, we're talking to this apparel company, you're going to want to know, Oh, where's, where's the thing with McDonald's going? And then then it starts like being like held over you. Like if it doesn't get sought out the whole way through, it's like, why didn't it? So again, it, there's always two different sides to it with communication. But I, I do think that communication more than anything is, is what I learned to be like the most vital, you know, good or bad, you know, that has taught me and led me to where I am today. I love that talking about just everything you're talking about, ego, communication, everything kind of to me, I'm just trying to, I always try to see it as operating like on a continuum, right? Where probably both ends of the continuum are good when be it, you know, humility or ego or, you know, lack of communication or communication and just trying to find what's right for each respective situation, right? Like certain places are going to want more communication than others. Um, and you're going to have a certain level of communication that you are going to hold yourself to if you're good at what you do regardless of what's going on. And then it's just kind of finding that right spot on the continuum for those things to assert yourself, to get the right message out there, all that kind of stuff. Um, I really like where you're coming from with all that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it, man. I mean, talk, talk to me a little bit about like your communication style, because 
I would say when you and I worked together, you were, I mean, you're, you're a small town guy, you know, from Virginia, right? Like from yeah. Fredericksburg area. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like you being thrown into the world of like media and you know, where you always have to, you know, be on and protrude and, you know, be very external. Like how did you transition from, again, probably in your mind with your, like, I know that like, I have this ball of energy. I have this excitement, you know, and stuff like that to knowing how to externalize those feelings and those emotions and that communication and then fine tuning and harnessing it. Because look, I'll tell you realistically, when you and I first met, like you were the individual that was just like, yeah, yeah. Like, Oh man, like it wasn't like a thought <laughs> wouldn't come very cohesive, but you were always just so happy and so jazzed on yeah, like yeah. any opportunity. So like if we got a chance to to put together something, you know, you couldn't necessarily count on Jack to be like the formulated thought, but you knew that he would put in the effort and be like the first one jazzed. But even now today, like you said, you're much more structured. You're much more like, you know, professional and buttoned up in that approach. Like how, how did your background in history with the roles that you've had, yeah. how did that transition you to, from yeah to yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's funny, before you mentioned that, I actually remember you pulling me into a studio one time and we just like riffed. And, and like, I remember halfway through going, I'm just rambling. I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> like, you know, so, I don't know if you remember that or not. That was hilarious. Um, yeah. I remember you kind of like, oh, you'd always be like putzing around in an empty studio recording stuff and occasionally I'd drop it. So that's, that's too funny. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think, so the biggest thing for me, when I was at XM, I definitely had some stage fright about stuff. Um, I think getting over that hump was a big deal. Now I don't really have that issue. Like I've honestly, like I have a present now, granted this is a recorded presentation, but I've done live ones recently as well. Like I've recorded a presentation going out to like a thousand people today uh, for someone else's clinic. Um, like I'm like one of the main speakers there. Now, again, it's recorded, but I mean, even if it was live, it'd be this, just as good as when I recorded it. So <laughs> um, um, uh, yeah, so like the, you know, that kind of stuff, uh, certainly helps just getting reps. I mean, you know, I, I volunteered to help out at, you know, NHL on, you know, home ice or whatever it was back in the day in Toronto. And um, I was on the air there like once a day and I got really good at it and they really liked me and it started to give me other offers. Like I remember like working for TSN as a stringer during the playoffs, like a bunch of other places were asking me to come on as like a guest. Cause I just put so much work into covering the caps for two years if you remember, like, I mean, I just, I did a lot of that for free and I was just at every game, every, you know, locker room session afterwards, all that stuff. So just getting reps was huge just to kind of overcome the, the just discomfort of doing that. Um, now I would say the biggest thing in terms of my growth and ability to communicate what I want in like certain jobs or to certain people in order to kind of move my career forward. I think the biggest thing for me is I realized that I'm pretty good at reading people and that can be both a good thing and a bad thing. Because if I read that they don't want any part of the conversation, I don't pursue it. And that's not a good thing, you know? Um, and I'm learning a lot right now in my current job, actually, where um, the guys I work with, I have to kind of push a little bit to get some of the information I want. I have to push a little bit to find out what my future at the company might be. Um, and in the past, if I noticed that people were like unwilling to kind of go that route, I would just kind of back off and then there would be no communication about very important things for my career. Right. So I think being a social chameleon as a coach, for example, has been great because 
I can tell how an athlete's feeling on that given day, what kind of vibe they want me to give off. And I can kind of work with that, you know, but on the flip side, when representing myself, I can't, I can't change to please everyone. You know, that's not what the role is anymore. The role, you know, I'm at the point now where I have enough experience where I can demand a little more from peers and, and superiors to get what I need. Um, and I think that has taught me to just be, you know, maintain the same kind of gung ho, like excited attitude. I still always, I'll always have that, man. Like, it's funny. Like some people are like, man, you have the energy of like a high school. I'm like, yeah, I still feel like I'm in high school, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, I always have that energy, but I'm also not going to back down when I perceive there to be a roadblock in a conversation with a person. Whereas in the past, I think I would have just been like, okay, like you don't want to talk about this. Like I'll just go talk to somebody else. Now, if I need something, I'm going to be a little push a little more for it. I think it's super important um, for someone like myself who is confident, but at the same time, not in, in this aspect, uh, it's really gone a long way towards developing uh, just a more clear cut communication style with people uh, that are going to influence my future. If that makes sense. No, totally. Totally. I mean, again, you, you hit it all on the head with surrounding yourself with the right people, getting the reps in. I mean, it's, it's like a sport, right? You know, like anything that we do, it's, it's like being a professional athlete and it's getting the reps in, it's studying, it's, you know, kind of harnessing the different skill sets in order to elevate you, you know, to be the best that you can be. So a lot of people don't oftentimes look at that, you know, look at what we do is the same way, but just because we're not putting up 500 pounds on the bench, you know, for 25 reps and stuff neither, like that. Neither am I. Uh, right. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, you know, there isn't something that we can, you know, accomplish to, to help others around us, help other athletes, help other individuals, students, whatever that may be. So I, I love that, man. Yeah. And, and that's something cool we have in common. Like obviously everything you're doing is very athlete driven now. And I mean, my entire last five or six years, I've probably worked man with, I was thinking about this the other day. It's got to be over five to, it's got to be somewhere between five to 10,000 people. Like just yeah. the amount of people that I have worked with even once. And it's, it's incredible to think about. Like I've touched this many people either positively or negatively, hopefully more positively. And who knows what my impact was even for a couple hours one summer with a high school kid or something like that. You, you just never know, man. And so I just try to give, the best product that I can to every single athlete that I come in contact with. And I'm sure you do the same thing. And I, I think that just goes such a long way towards not only helping the people you're working with, but it just helps you maintain the outlook that we kind of have on life where we are just genuinely excited to be around people that we could potentially alter their lives in a positive way. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. It's about, it's about making a difference, man. Yeah. That's, that's all we try to do. Yeah. Now, all right. Last couple, like last 15 minutes. This is one of the main reasons why I wanted to get you on. Um, what made you pick, like take this plunge and like, what were your, what was your thought process like going into, into this, you know, with, with, taking, with a fellow group? Yeah. With a fellow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was at this crossroads. Um, it was December, 2018. Um, and I, I was at mosaic still. And I had, I had built up a fellow group with my two buddies, you know, we were working with one or two athletes and, you know, it was like kind of a, Oh yeah, fun money kind of thing. You know, we'll build it up, put a few hours in here and there, see how it goes. Um, but at Mosaic, it, it came to this point where I, I knew 
like my contract was going to run up. Like they weren't going to find another company or brand for me uh, to work on. And honestly, I had zero interest or energy in continuing to work there um, just because I was so strapped. Um, and I felt like I just, I burn out. I, I was at complete burnout. So I took, you know, probably two or three months to coach women's high school hockey, get a breath of fresh air and, you know, kind of put a little bit more emphasis and time into a fellow group. And then I started working at Constellation Brands and I just, those two or three months in between Mosaic and Constellation, I had seen such a difference in the growth of Othello Group just because I had the time and energy to do it. I'm like, man. So I, I was, you know, at Constellation and I would be getting phone calls and like having meetings, you know, unfortunately like during work hours of Constellation. And it was just like, man, like this is kind of a trippy situation. Like, what do I do? And as it kind of came to this crossroads a little bit more, I, I had been thinking like, what if, you know, what if I just go all in, but why would I leave this again, talking about the people that leave comfort? Why would I leave this great job? Why would I leave consolation? Like, you know, they work with Corona and Modelo and I have this awesome, like all these perks. Why would I do it? And then, you know, my hand was forced. I went on my honeymoon. I came back, I landed on the tarmac and all my voicemails load up from when we were out of the country and HR had reached out to me. Um, they weren't supposed to, but they reached out to me while I was on my honeymoon and said, you know, hi, Mr. Stallings, you know, we're, we're reaching out to you to, to talk about, um, your, uh, what the freaking package, um, basically my severance package severance package. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, they're like, yeah, we want to talk to you about your severance package with Constellation Brands. Give us a call back at your earliest convenience. And I'm like, you're like, what? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, my yeah. severance package? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so I'm sitting there on the tarmac. I look over my glowing wife in first class. We're all smiling. You know, we're married. And I just look and I'm like in my head, I'm smiling back at her. I'm like, oh, shit. I just got laid <laughs> off. I got, I got no money and I just got married. Oh, this is great. This is, this is awesome. So you go and obviously you don't sleep at all that night, the long Uber ride home from JFK airport to Stanford, Connecticut. And you're just like, Oh my God. And so go in the next morning, 7am, of course, you know, Hey, we're so sorry. There were 90 people as part of a massive layoff, you know, Q1 sales didn't hit blah, 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 blah. All right, cool. No worries. Like no bad blood. Thanks for the opportunity. You know, we'll, we'll carry the, the blood stained banner and march on. And, you know, I, I sat there and I was just, of course you go through that like week, two, three weeks of just like, like why, why me, why this, why that? But then it comes to this crossroads where like, you got to go like you, like unemployed, collecting unemployment to me was never an option. You know, uh, like I it never like leaning on my family, leaning on my wife. I was just like, I had no other choice in my mind, but to survive in my hurry up and either getting another job or doing or doing something else. So I gave myself six months with a fellow group. And I said, there are a whole bunch of things that need to change. Like in order to get this to where it needs to be, let me kind of take a look at what this, you know, all is six months. If I don't hit my goals by six months, I have to have another job lined up, ready to go by then. So I would be applying to other jobs, you know, in that six month window, but I ended up buying out my business partners, growing our athlete roster from like two to 
eight or 10, you know, in those few windows ended up expanding our brand roster and by, you know, landing a lot of great projects and deals and scaling up, just scaling up the business in those six months to the point where the goals that I had set, I had almost tripled those goals. And so I was like, okay, if I can triple my goals for this and they weren't easy goals, they weren't like, I'm talking like be net profit 2X, you know, and, and almost like make at least half of your salary of what you were making in six months through this like tough, tough things to do. And I, I sat there and I was just like, yep, all right, cool. And I think come the fall, I, I had, you know, again, we blew up the athlete roster. We completely rebranded. We, we've harnessed and focused directly on the athletes and the opportunities perspective. Um, but we also started building out more of a pipeline for brand opportunities and helping them with like recruitment models, TV commercials, content projects, the works. So everything just started kind of coming and every single day, it's still a re reimagine reimagination of what we had thought about yesterday. So, um, right now I'm currently the face and the full time, you know, operations of everything with both the brand and athletes, but I have a number of part-time employees. I have, you know, legal, I have taxes, I have help with merchandising. I have three production companies I work with. So everything is very much kind of piecemealed and project based together, but it works. And a lot of people say that's risky because it's not a guarantee, but I think the way the economy is right now, you're going to see a lot of other businesses start transitioning and pivoting to this more, you know, like taking on more projects than just being harnessed on one specific thing. And that's why I haven't really brought on a lot of full-time individuals because like I've had an assistant I've brought on, I've, I've had a few social media people that I've paid to help out here and there, but honestly, people are excited to, to work on something like this. You know, they think it's different. They think it's like a completely different world of how things and sports are being looked at. And the feedback has been good. And the feedback has also been very negative from people at like Wasserman and CAA. And I've gotten quite a few like LinkedIn DMs, like what the hell are you doing? Like a lot of people look at me as almost I'm the Leonardo DiCaprio playing in the penny stock games at Wolf of Wall Street. They're just like, <laughs> you're a psychopath. Like you're not yeah. going to make like, too, too much risk. And that was, you know, a year ago. And now here I am doing deals with a lot of the tier one brands that they're working with. And then all of a sudden they hop on Zoom calls and then they see me there just with my legs crossed and my latte. And I'm just like, oh, good morning, Gregory. Please have a <laughs> and, and they're just like, you're like, I'm in my there. home office. I'm not wearing pants. How are you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, um, it's a different world. There's a lot of work still to be done. Um, and every single day, like if you ask the athletes I represent, I don't think there's one that would, I mean, we've been doing this two and a half years, like almost three years now. And not one like has complained, not one has left, you know, like we, that's outstanding. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, that says something, right. Because in in any industry, there's usually a lot of turnover, you Mm -hmm. know? And, and I mean, I think there's, there's one athlete that we mutually separated terms with. And it was because she honestly just didn't have any interest in building her brand. She wanted to focus on playing. And I told her, I'm like, again, she's like, I'll give you glowing reviews. Like you guys did everything you did this, you did that. But like my specific career, like this is what I want to do. I'm like, great. No problem. She, to this day, doesn't have a manager, doesn't have an agent, doesn't have a marketing agency. So that's no fault to us. It's just that she didn't want to waste our time. 
So, and that's, that's totally fine. But again, two and a half, three years doing it, no one's left. Everyone's super happy. But if you ask me, like, and whenever my athletes call me and stuff like that, I'm always just head down, eyes up, just like trying to like get, like, go, go, go this, that, like, you know, I'm always doing stuff because we can always be better. Well, yeah. I, I don't ever want to be a tier one global brand or agency. I don't want to be, I want to be the niche. I want to be the underdog and I want to stay here as much as I possibly can. But I also know that in order to even be and live in the niche comfortably and reasonably, that almost requires more reps, more work, like more sure. thinking. Yeah. It, rather than hitting that one big contract and being like, oh yeah, we got the deal. So, and so we got, you know, we got $3 million sitting in the bank. It's like, uh-uh, I don't want that. I want the $3 million sitting in the bank, but I want to still be driving in 1988 Camry <laughs> to the office. Like that, yeah. that's yeah. what I want to be. So that's, that's where I'm at. So where, where do you go from here? What's the, what's the, I don't know if you have the end game in mind, but like, what's the next steps? Yeah. I mean, I think anybody's end game is, is always money and profit and this and that. For me, I want to help athletes on a, on a global scale. I, I, I really, really do. And, you know, we've had conversations with some investors. We've had in conversations with other agencies that have approached us about, you know, buying us out already, uh, which is great. But we're like, I'm not ready for that route yet. Um, and I think the reason is, is because the minute that you try to autom- like automate something like this, it takes away from what fundamentally has made it what it is. And that's the humanized emotional connection effort of building creative relationships. And a lot of these companies, God bless them. That's how you make your money. They, they try to automate and they try to do, do more, you know, not with less, but they do more with more in order to just kind of build, 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 build. And I think to me, I could manage 50 athletes if I wanted to and still give them all the most reasonable and utmost attention that, you know, they deserve comfortably right now. Like I said, we're like 25 athletes. I'm good with that. I'm, I'm good with 25 because right now I owe it to those 25 that have invested in my time and our time and services um, to give them everything that I can give them. And if I can help these 25 really make it to that next level, then to me, it's like, all right, next group up, like next one up, like from there, it's, it's all about just kind of evolving that. So honestly, Jack, like it's, it's really helping athletes, like the same way that you want to help, you want to educate, you want to help, you know, kind of teach people the different methods about, you know, strength and conditioning, nutrition, and you know, the, the body and the mind. like, to me, I want to give them the good, bad, and ugly of what I learned from being in media, being in marketing, being in communications and PR. And I mean, it's, it's a give back thing. And if I can help really set these athletes up for success to the point where like, they don't need me for 25 years down the road, but they can do it themselves and they can help other people in their industry. Look, I'm, I'm successful. And it goes back to how we just define success. Like, sure. Millions of dollars is great. I would love millions of dollars, but same time, I, I don't need that. You know, like my wife and I are very good. You know, our family's good. We're healthy. We look at everything, you know, as like, 
we have enough money coming in. We have enough smiles, the, the, the medical bills and everything, like it all checks the boxes because with good news. So to me, it's like, I need to help. I need to help these athletes. And I don't know that I'm reaching them as much as I probably can, but the ones I am reaching, it's starting to spread like wildfire within their industries. I get a lot of DMS. I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of questions. And to me, that's what it's all about. Like I, I want to fundamentally have people understand that yes, there's a business side, but there's also a side to it where it's just education and it's enhancement and it's evolution. It's E3. I love that, man. I love that. Yeah. And that's, that's the same thing for us. Like I look at it like our industry sometimes and you have your athletes that are like, just tell me what I need to do so I can punch, you know, check the box, get in, get out and get it done. And I'm sure you run into the same thing. Uh, you, you know, maybe not with your athletes, but you've run into it before in, in situations. And, um, it's so much more uh, impactful and empowering, I think, for myself and then the athletes, for the ones that want to sit down, take some time to really get to know a process and then understand why it works, why it matters. And then we can all, you know, that's just going to enhance the communication between the two parties. And you're going to find out what really works for them. Because like you said, I, ha I could give you a canned automated standardized response or program or something like that to help you get better at this, that, and the other. But it's going to be so much more effective if we bring that, that thing that we're trying to bring about to life and alter it based on what's going on in your life or what your preferences are. And I think you can do that, honestly. Like, it's just, that's kind of like a universal concept you can use for any field of work you're in. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, it's less automation, more emotion. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. Um, Last question. Well, damn, I had so many more. But uh, <laughs> the stranger experiment, uh, I've been loving it. Just take us or take me and then the listeners through uh, what it is and then how it's been going so far. Personally, for me, I found it to be awesome. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, I took a Sunday afternoon and I, I read two books on a, on a Sunday, which never happens. I can usually never get through a book, one book in six months. Um, took a Sunday, read two books. And the second book I was reading was by Jeremy Darlow, who is doing an incredible amount of work um, for athlete branding um, across specifically NCAA right now. Um, but this guy, I, I don't think there's even so much of a magic method. It's a simplification process to what he does from the branding side. Um, but I was reading his book and I, I just kind of learned that some of the, like, it, there was something in there where it was like, don't ask your neighbor or colleague in the same department in same team in same office for advice or feedback on your work or an idea, because you're going to get a very one dimensional answer. Like people probably have the same education and mindset majority of what you do. So they're either going to really like it or they're not going to like it due to a very personified fact of ego or emotion. So I was, you know, I started reading this and it kind of got me just thinking like, some of the best motivation comes from outside your world. So what if I set up something where you could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with your mailman every single week or an electrician, or, you know, I was thinking very left field, but, and I don't think we've gotten there yet because I, I honestly think that'd be kind of tough, but we have been connecting people from digital to the PR space, from hospitality down to culinary um, you know, looking at nonprofits to NBA teams. And we have all these people that have come together and they said, yeah, like, heck yeah. Like I want in on that. Like, that sounds cool. And so I, I sent a tweet out before I went to bed, probably about a little over a month ago, woke up with like 
150 retweets, 300 comments, like all these DMs. And it was like, it was one of those things where it's like, that's with social media where you're just like, I don't get it. Like, how can I put this out? Yet I put together what I think is a super captivating tweet about sponsorship analytics and it gets like one like and nobody cares yeah nobody cares no one cares but um so i was like okay well crap i have to do this now like this went viral like i i have to build it out so i honestly built out a form got all this information and i've just been every single week just pairing up individuals um you know, just two columns side by side, rotating them, you know, top to bottom and just, you know, moving people up. Like there's no strategy to it. Like sometimes you might be paired with somebody who you've talked to before, who you like actually know, like it's, it's really just a weekly reoccurring meeting and it's up to those two individuals to schedule the time. I set the guidelines. The only thing that has been a little bit tough to track, which I'm going to try and get on top of this week is you know, you have people who say they want to do it, they fill out the form and then they ghost people. And they, you know, like I've had that, like I've had, you know, certain people, I think they don't want to tell me because they're like, Oh, you know, like you're, you're working so hard on this. Like, I don't want to, you know, be you're a pain. more work for me by this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But I've come to find out like there's at least 10 individuals that haven't like just haven't responded to emails and like, look, people get busy. That's cool. But like, let me know, let, let the person know, like, you know, whatever. But so I got to go back and fine tune that. But I think, like I mentioned to you earlier, for every 10 that are dropping off, I'm getting 15 new inquiries from people tweeting about it. And they're like, Hey, I saw this person. I want in, I want in, I want in. And then hopefully by October, you have a very solidified group of like 300, 400 people that I can rotate for the next 52 weeks of the year. And you're still not even having that. And I've had a lot of people tell me, they're like, man, you should monetize this. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not there yet. Like, I'm sure I will. Like if, if enough people jive into it and you can pay $5 a month to have four random conversations, you know, each month, I think it's a great value play networking wise. But, you know, for me, it's like, that's not what you're after right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm in the same position with some of my stuff. People are like, oh, you should charge for that. And I'm like, I'm just like, why? Like, yeah. Like it's just not time yet. Like, yeah, there's other ways that I can, I can bring value to the table and I don't have to scrounge for money right now. You know, right. like, yeah, it's just an interesting, I get it. I get it. I'm not, I'm, you know, that's my other, my other issue. I'm just not as motivated by money. Like, yeah, money would be like, just like you, money would be nice, but it's not really the end game for me. You know, there's a lot of other things out there that matter. So no, I, I love what you're doing with that too, man. I think it's, I think it's great. I actually need to email back my guy from last week. I still haven't, so I got to hit him up. Um, Come on. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's bad. It's bad. You literally reminded yeah. me. I was like, oh, crap. I haven't hit him up. <laughs> so, uh, but no, man, I, I love what you're doing with that. And then the other thing I just wanted to touch, you said you coach hockey. I think that's got to have to give you some perspective too, man. Just, just coaching younger athletes and seeing where they're at. It's got to be pretty impactful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been able to coach women's high school hockey up here in Connecticut, uh, between three high schools over the last seven years. Um, so obviously a lot of question marks going into this winter. Um, the amount of emails I get from players, parents and stuff daily is, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough on a lot of them as they kind of plan to go into it, but I'm super hopeful that we have some sort of season and, you know, I know today a lot of, a lot of students are going back to school and a lot of parents and teachers, like, 
this is a, this is a very trying day for, for a lot of individuals. And I think, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't, you know, give some love and understanding and respect and patience to, to all of those who are kind of going through that, because I think these next few weeks are going to be very, very interesting. Um, and, and I was, I was talking to my neighbor last night and I was just telling him, I'm like, it takes one person to get sick and it's all this is just going to go right back to square one. So it's a risky time. Um, I, I certainly hope and pray that, you know, we personally can get a season off, you know, we can get back on the ice. Uh, I know my men's league hockey team I play in, we we're returning to play for the first time next week. So you know, first time since March. So <laughs> yeah. it's uh, it'll be interesting because I'm sure my ankles are just going to be like completely <laughs> bent, you know, and, yeah, uh, but it'll be Sean fun. William Scott and Goon just kind of just circling out there. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So, <laughs> just trying, just trying to slowly. I mean, uh, much like everybody, we're all trying to get back to some sort of normal. Um, and all we can do, whether you believe in a higher being or not, you just you just gotta hope. You gotta find the hope. You gotta pray and just do your part. So, uh, some people, I mean, depending on where you are, they don't want to wear masks. They don't like to believe it's real. Look, I would say for whatever reason, for whatever purpose, please just, just wear a mask within reason. Like do your, do your part, do your part for your partner, do your part for your, your neighbor. Like it's the United States of America is an incredible place. And when we abuse our democracy, it does not help, but you know, now we have a chance to really kind of realign and bring everyone together. So not to get political, but I will say, Oh man, you're fine. You're fine. It's it's community. (laughs) It's community, baby. Community. So yeah. I, I completely agree with you, man. Andrew, uh, where can the where can the people find you? Social media, any projects? You can even reference a stranger experiment, whatever you want. Uh, have at it, man. Yeah, yeah. So all my social handles are a Stallings eighty eight, um, a fellow group. You can follow across all social handles at a fellow group a t h e l o group. And then uh, the stranger experiment. Yeah, I mean, send me a note uh, if you're interested. Doesn't matter what your background is. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, hashtag stranger experiment, uh, to find out more information, uh, send me a note at ace always 88 on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, we can get you, get you hooked up. Dude. Love you, buddy. Thank you so much. Love you, man. Always, always fun. <laughs>